Hello folks and welcome to the second Scotsway Burns cast um, to commemorate the life and work of Robert Burns. Um, in a minute you're going to hear a short interview I did with Fergus Muirhead who um, is I think tonight on the way over to Barcelona for the first of four Burns nights in, in Barcelona and he talks about his experience of Burns Nights, and he talks a bit about the music as well, which I think is often overlooked. Uh, Burns' contribution to Scottish music um, is often overlooked. And after that, you'll hear our very own Ian Gregson giving his version of uh, the Burns song, Western Winds. And then uh, we'll be back, we'll be back with Chris Ward, and we'll be talking a bit more Burns. And, and I would stay to the end where we can promise you a little bit of filth. Right, we're here uh, as part of our Burns cast um, 2013 with Fergus Muirhead, who uh, pipes around the world, basically pipes his way around, the, has pipes, will travel, and um, uh, you're going to be off to Barcelona for four, four Burns suppers? Four Burns suppers, I'm probably doing more speaking this year than oh, I am I'm, I'm piping, I have been doing over the last the last five or six years actually, more speaking at Burns nights than, than piping. So how do you find the Burns, um, how do you find Burns suppers now? Overseas and how they do they differ to what goes on here? Is there a difference? I think you, you, you take five weeks to answer that question. Yeah, I really? think there's such a huge range in, in burn suppers, even over here. Yeah. From from the really kind of formal nights that are no more than an extension of a kind of company's corporate budget for the yeah. year. I think that you know a bunch of lawyers will decide to take a table at. Uh, a, 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 a Burns night in the Hilton. I remember being at one years ago actually, uh, and, and the main speaker, the immortal memory, is being proposed by Alistair Gray. Right. Uh, and he turned up in a, a, a tweed jacket with patches in the elbows, uh, jeans, and, and sandals with no socks in Excellent. the middle of January. <laughs> and everyone else had a dinner suit on. Uh, and it was fascinating because he, he sang large parts of his immortal memory because Brilliant. he was talking about Burns the songwriter rather than Burns the poet. And he sang um, Old Line Sign in the original version to the original tune, the same one that they used in, in Sex and the City yeah, yeah. movie. And it was brilliant, but it went over 99% of the, yeah. the, the audience. It wasn't head. what they were after. It wasn't what they were after. They would have preferred, Dougie Donnelly did the Toast of the Lasses mm -hmm. that night. I don't think he mentioned Burns once, yeah. but he told some great stories. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think you get you get to that, and, and then you get the more to I mean, the ones we do in Barcelona are certainly more traditional, um, in, in the sense that there's a very, a very short and informal. Um, speech and recitation part of the night. I, I generally do Tam Shanta, John Gagan does Holy Willie. Excellent. Um, we do a very short immortal memory. Last year I addressed the Haggis in three different languages in three consecutive nights and then we get the, the accordion out and we have a Kayleigh for the rest of the night. So it, it's a completely different setup, and, and, and it's much more akin to what I imagine a Burns, Burns supper, supper would have been like, been yeah. should have been. Do you think, and going back to the idea of Burns as a songwriter rather than the poet, or do you think still in this country we still see him as the poet first and foremost and is that the same around the world or is, it, is there more of a balance is there more of a balanced view I think there's probably more of a balance and I think I, th I think we probably do see him more as a poet than a songwriter over here but some of the songs he's written yeah. and, and put music to as well because he was a musician um, are actually quite incredible uh, and, and then what he's also done is he's taken he's taken tunes that already exist and if you take something like um, uh, 
uh, Westland Winds. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he wrote Westland Winds to an existing tune. Yeah, and it's wonderful. I mean, the words the words that he's managed to weave around that tune are, are absolutely fantastic. I think that's what a lot of people really don't realise was nearer at the end of his his life. That's a lot of his time was spent on writing these fantastic songs to to music that was already that's there, right, and right. often you know. I mean, you mentioned all Lang Syne. Still, people say, "Oh, that was that was Burns," or that was, and people don't realise the kind of uh, well-known stuff that he's actually done as well. And I think there's a difference between Burns the songwriter, or Burns the poet, and Burns the collector, right? Because he was also a great. I mean, a lot of stuff that we that we ascribe to Burns wasn't it wasn't his original work. Yeah, he's, he's found it elsewhere. He was a great collector of words and and, and, and music as well. So yeah, I mean, was this? Uh, that's something I didn't know. So he went back and uh, he was just interested in kind of folk song would you say was that the I don't know if it was folk song in these days whether whether there was such a thing as yeah. folk song I mean I think probably his um, Merry Music Caledonia was more akin to what would have been called folk song right. the kind of body ballad oh, yeah like. sure um, which you have to be very careful how yeah. and, and, and when I was at a burn supper at the high school one night in, 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 uh, in Glasgow and I decided to base my immortal memory on the Merry Music right. and it didn't go down particularly well amongst the Blue Bruns Brigade <laughs> no. but that's the thing there are people who seem to take it so seriously, I mean, you spoke about the folk who book the table, and you know, and they expect it almost to be, you know, you tick the box of this is when the haggis gets addressed, this is when there's the mortal memory and all that stuff. Whereas, um, surely the idea was that you, you make it what you know, base it on the, the poetry and the music and all of these things, and make it what you want to make it. And people I think, take I think it far it's, too it's, seriously. It's like all these things that you can't. It's like, it's like, do you take water in your whiskey or ice? Well, yeah, I do because I like it that way. Yeah. How do you how do you organise a burn supper? Well, you organise it the way that you want to organise uh, it to make it work for you. And if that means you address the haggis before you you know before you eat it, then do it. But if if, if, if the constraints or restrictions of your venue for the night and your audience suggest that you eat your soup first, then eat yeah. your soup first and then pipe in the haggis. I don't think we should be bound by. A convention that, that you know that was only made up long after Burns existed well, anyway. This was when we spoke about this last year. One of the things that kept coming up um, with people who um, do Burns suppers professionally, for people like myself who dipped into it a little bit at school and then came back to um, at university and really found the richness was they were put off by this kind of uh, white heather club image of, of what it was, and, and and it stopped a lot of people. I think. Um, certainly my generation from really engaging with this stuff and as you say there's some really filthy verse there's no, some amazing and, and there's tunes some there's something. and there is and I think the other thing that really that really bothers me sometimes and no disrespect to any of my opera singer friends who are listening mm -hmm. to it but Burns didn't write opera yeah you know Moira Anderson singing Burns doesn't do it for me yeah. maybe Reader singing Burns doesn't do it for me either but uh -huh. that's, that's maybe edit that wee bit <laughs> um, I don't think that, that, that that's the way Burns was meant to be sung yeah. you know somebody with a guitar or, or, or around a fire singing Burns that, that's that's the song so it's not high it's not high end it's not opera well, we, were, we were looking at some of the stuff on YouTube just to get an idea of, of, of the music and there's some terrific folk just you know people acoustic guitar doing amazing versions of the, this stuff I mean, Dick Gawkins singing uh, yeah, yeah. Westland Winds. I mm -hmm. mean, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing better been 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 sung for the last ten years. I don't think it's got. It's one of my, one of my favourite songs, uh, and one of my favourite interpretations yep. of, of Burns' yep. song. Rod Patterson was another one that could really um, interpret some great Burns stuff. Mick West. There's, there's a whole bunch of singers now that are that are really doing some. Do, good do, interpretations. You do you think that is the case? It's becoming more popular. Is probably not the word because you know it's hugely popular as it is, but actually people are revisiting the, the music and maybe including it in um, 
a folk music set or or or, or other kind of I think, sets I think of music. we are. I think we may be going beyond the kind of shortbread tin yeah. that we talked about a minute ago, but other stuff. And I, and I think that we are seeing the songs in a slightly different light. And I think that, that part of that is the development in traditional music over the last ten or twenty yeah. years. I think there's been been huge steps forward. I think so. Um, and, and I think that's coming through in the way some of Burns' work has been interpreted. No. There's been some money spent on it as well. I mean, go back to you know your love as being someone as a piper and the love of piping. We were talking about that, and that seems to be again that's moving away from the perhaps perceived image that there was in this for me 70s and 80s. And it, we know it's we know it's a, a, a global um, international uh, form of music. Um, and Burns, it, it does seem to be that. There's a, there's a confidence in Scotland's own, or you can maybe say culture wider, folk culture wider, that there wasn't for a long time. Well, there's a kind of embarrassment on it. No, I think there was. I think the old the old line about kill to kill to cold bum, if, if you played <laughs> the pipes when you were at school, yeah. that, that was what you were known as if you, if you were seen wearing a kilt. And now, now it's a dead cool thing to do. Yeah. You know, well, he plays the pipes, that's brilliant. You know, when I was at school, you couldn't go to the conservatoire because it was a Royal Scottish Academy in these days, but yeah. you, could, you, could, you couldn't go and do a degree in, in piping. You can now. Um, you can do a degree in traditional music, which yeah. you can do. I mean, we, we learned our craft in the Victoria Bar in the late 70s, yeah. playing music and, and making up bands ourselves and, and going out and playing with them. You can go and do, go and do a degree in it now. Now, that's got, that's got drawbacks, yeah, of course. which we don't, probably don't want to, uh, to kind of dwell on tonight. But, um, but the, 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 there is that ability to take music more seriously. Um, I think one of the drawbacks is that, that, is that the music in, in the song is probably less political yeah. now than it was then with a small P. Yeah. Because if, if, if you if you learn to sing the songs and you learn the tradition because you want to do it, mm-hmm. then then the, the, the small P politics comes along with that, the, the social yeah. history that's important with it. Whereas if you're there to do it as part of the degree, and yeah. you're then to go and work it being a musician, then part of that emotion goes out of it. And sure. I think the emotion is really important. Yeah. It's the emotion that's there in a lot of burn stuff. Um, and, and, and it's the emotion that needs to, to, to always come through. But I think I think we've become confident um, culturally over the last ten or fifteen years. Now, without getting drawn into the politics of it, yep. I've no doubt that some of it is because we've got a we've got a parliament in Edinburgh. No, again, I think that, absolutely. That's created a bit of confidence. Um, but I think I think there's no question that the, the, the state of the piping world is as healthy as, as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Look at Celtic Connections that's on at the yeah. moment. It's one of the biggest festivals in the world now. Look at some of the artists that are playing in Glasgow the, over the next couple of weeks. You know, um, I love the confidence of Celtic Connections for that very reason because it's not saying previously you could imagine people going, well, why is that in there? Because it's not Celtic or it's not connected or any of this stuff. Actually, just go, you know what, let's let's put it on. And let's there are, there are still, to be fair, there are still some people who are saying well, that. Well, I'm sure there but, are. Uh, but, but so what? You know, Tom Jones, if you want to go, if Tom Jones can come to a Celtic festival, then anyone can exactly. come to a Celtic festival. And, and to me, I mean, I think I was very cynical at the start of Celtic Connection yeah. because it wasn't about music, it was about filling empty seats at the concert hall. Yeah. It was a commercial thing for the concert hall. Um, but there's no question that it's grown into one of the biggest celebrations of Celtic music worldwide. And, it's and, phenomenal and it's success. And, and I think you can define, I mean I did a programme on Celtic Music Radio for two years and, and, and I played what I wanted. Yeah. Because if you wanted to be, if you wanted to extrapolate it out as far as you could, I could find a Celtic connection in any yeah, music. Yeah, exactly. Story. You know, Frank Sinatra's phrasing, same as Dick Gawkin. There you go, there's, there's my Celtic well, connection. Well that's what we are doing the, the, the stuff on Scots Way Hey. It's tried to say it's not to make it limited to Scottish stuff, it's well what's the connection, what can we include in it? And I think again that seems to be a greater confidence in the kind of I don't know if it's a national identity or a cultural identity I, or I think, what I think part of it is that but I think also part of it is the, 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 sh- the, the shedding of limits 
I think I think putting limits on, on, on culture and music and poetry is one of the most dangerous things you can do. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we talked about pipes earlier on, you know, that, that you can't play the pipes that way. Well, why not? Because that's not the way the tune was written. Well, yeah. so what? I've just changed it. Yeah. You can't sing a song that way. Why not? Well, because it wasn't written that way. How do you know? You didn't write it. Yeah. You know, you, 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 to take to take a tradition forward, you need to develop it. Otherwise, it stays it's yep. stagnant. And, yep. I, and I think that's happening with Burns. It's happening with Scottish music. It's happening with piping. It's happening a lot just now in Scotland. Yeah. And, and I think I think we're all benefiting from it because the music is expanding and the music is growing. Well, I think that's the perfect place to uh, finish there. So thanks very much for that, Fergus. No and problem. we'll see you in Barbies very soon. For but you're still not getting the questions in advance. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> now Westland winds and slaughtering guns bring autumn's pleasant weather. The more cock springs on wooden wings among the blooming. Now weaving grain while o'er the plain Delights the weary farmer The moon shines bright as I rove at night To muse upon my charmer The partridge loves the fruitful fells The plover loves the mound Woodcock haunts the lonely dells The soaring helm, the fountain Through lofty groves, the cushion rose The path of man to shun it The hazel bush o'erhangs the thrush the spreading thorn, the linnet Thus every kind their pleasure find The savage and the tender Some social join and leagues combine Some solitary wander Vaunt away the cross way Tyrannic man's dominion The sportsman's joy, the murdering cry The fluttering gory pinion But Peggy dear, the evening's clear Thick flies the skimming swallow the sky is blue, the fields in view all fading green and yellow. Come, let us stray our gladsome way and view the charms of nature. The rustling corn, the fruited thorn, and every happy creature. We'll gently walk and we'll sweetly talk Till the silent moon shines clearly 
And I'll grasp thy waist and fondly praise Swear how I love thee dearly Not vernal showers to budding flowers Not autumn to the farmer so dear can be as thou to me, my fair, my lovely charmer. I langhe thought, my youthful friend, of something to have sent you, though it should serve on the other end than just a kind memento. But how the subject theme may gang, let time and chance determine. Perhaps it may turn out a sang, perhaps turn out a sermon. You'll try the world soon, my lad, and Andrew, dear, believe me. You'll find mankind an uncle squad, and muckle they may grieve you. For care and trouble set your thought, even when your end's attained. And all your views may come to naught, where every nerve is strained. I'll no say men are villains all, the real, hard and wicked. Hey, nay, check, but human law are to a few restricted. But, och, mankind are uncle weak, and little to be trusted. If self the wavering balance shake, it's rarely right adjusted. Yet they who fall in fortune's strife, their fate we should not censure, for still the important end of life they equally may answer. A man may hae an honest heart, though poor tithes early stare him. A man may take a neighbour's part, yet hae nae cash to spare him. I free aff hand your story tell when we are bosom crony, but still keep something to yourself, you scarcely tell to only. Conceal yourself as well as you can for the critical dissection, but keep through every other man with sharp and sly inspection. The sacred law of wheel-placed love luxuriantly indulge it, but never tempt the illicit rove, though Nathan should divulge it. I wave the quantum of the sin and the hazard of concealing, but ugh, it hardens all within and petrifies the feeling. To catch Dame Fortune's golden smile, assiduous wait upon her, and gathered gear by every wile that's justified by honour. Not for to hide it in a hedge, not for a train attendant, but for the glorious privilege of being independent. The fear of hell's a hangman's whip to hod the wretch in order, but where you feel your honour grip, let that eye be your border. Its slightest touches, instant pause, debar all side pretences, and resolutely keep its laws uncaring consequences. The great creator to revere must sure become the creature, but still the preaching can't forbear and even the rigid feature. Yet ne'er with wits profane to range be complacence extended, and atheist laughs a poor exchange for deity offended. When ranting round in pleasure's ring, religion may be blinded, or if she give a random fling, it may be little-minded. But when on life were tempest driven, a conscience but a canker, a correspondence fixed with heaven is sure a noble anchor. Adieu, dear amiable youth, your heart can ne'er be wanting. May prudence, fortitude and truth erect your brow undaunting. In ploughman phrase, God send you speed, still daily to grow wiser, and may you better wreck the reed than ever did the adviser. Hello everyone, we are back after uh, a bit of music and a bit of chat from Fergus Muirhead and that was the dulcet tones of Chris Ward Hello. reading uh, Epistle to a Young Friend uh, May 1786 So we decided we'd better get back to a bit of poetry that's what a lot of people will be expecting Why did you pick that one in particular? Is there a reason? I, I think it's a, a pretty good summation of, of Burns's kind of general ethos if you like you know, mm-hmm. his kind of general um, like it, as values, view. val- yeah, worldview. I was gonna say values, but that's awful trite. But um, yeah, it's kind of his humanism, you know. I think is what shines out from yeah. Burns, you know, uh, especially given the time in which he was writing. You know, you're talking, like, you know, eighteenth uh, century, uh, early nineteenth century, really kind of, you know, peak Calvinism, <laughs> if you like, you know, uh, the wee freeze. Um, 
that kind of run the rule of Scotland and for, for a guy to be kind of not not disdainful of religion I mean you said he talks in this about like the, an atheist laughs a poor exchange for yeah, getting offended yeah. and what have you but you know to be not so um, rigid with his religion oh, I'm sure he'd, he'd make a point of that um, I think but, you're right I think one of the things that appeals to me so much as a poet and I think we should say as a, a man who interests in song as well but certainly the poetry is that he is a real humanist at a uh, at a time when this was, well, it maybe wasn't rare, but it was certainly rare in writing, and then writing that was not philosophical, put it that way. I mean, there was the the, the writers of philosophy, um, Hume in particular, I'm thinking of, who was touching on these things, but for someone writing popular verse to be so bold um, and all-encompassing was, uh, was, was, I think, for me, explains his popularity um, through today. Um, we've spoken before, we've spoken to Ronnie Young and, and many other people about how Burns has been in their life since, because he seems to have been in everyone in Scotland's life in some shape or form. What about you, Chris? How's, how's, what was your first recollections of a Burns I don't, thing? I don't know if I have like a specific one single moment I remember encountering Burns. I think it's just the kind of thing that, as you grow up, Scottish just kind of seeps into you, you know? You just, I don't think there's any one defining kind of... Did you do was it school? I mean, was there a... Maybe. I can't even remember. Maybe in primary school, actually. Mm-hmm. I remember, actually, when I was about seven or eight, I used to go to, uh, um, for simplicity's sake, I'll call it a creative writing class that ran on, like, Saturday morning. When you were seven or eight? Yeah, it's a wow. long story. It, it's, it's more... <laughs> it, there, there, there's complications to it. There's, it's more than the work I create. Anyway, that's a separate podcast, sake, that's a separate is it? Podcast, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, that's for the memoirs. But... Um, no, uh, it was kind of a, a creative writing class, and I remember them saying it was one uh, one week. It must have been around Burns Night because I can't imagine why they would do it sure. any other time of year. But he said, um, "Try writing something in in Scots," and I was just I remember saying, "Can I just write something about Jurassic Park?" This was in Scots. No, no, no that, that was her question as well. I was like, "No, can I just young big beasties exactly, terrify yeah, me?" Yeah, but um, so I don't know if that was a portent of things to come. It's like, no, forget, forget writing, writing poems and stuff. I just want to write about the film. film. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, I remember that. I don't remember any specifically. I remember the Scottish poetry that we got taught in secondary school. I know, I know, Burns is kind of out of fashion. Um, yeah, it was out of fashion. Yeah, deeply. for a while. So uh, I remember being taught McCaig in in secondary school and Morgan and uh, Ian Crichton Smith even but I, I don't really remember Burns coming up I don't know if it's just because it's you know they're poets who use English and so it's easier for you know contemporary kind of audiences to you don't have to adjust to you don't have to learn new language or anything to get into um, to get into McCaig and Morgan and, and what have you but although I haven't said that I feel like Burns doesn't feel dated you know if yeah. it feels like especially when you read it maybe as you see it on the page it, it feels quite Intimidating, but as you read it, you definitely there's nothing that you don't really get a sense of, you know. I think when you start reading it more widely, I think, yeah, I uh, and most people talked to when they were younger maybe knew a little bit the greatest hits, Lang Syne, the everything that happens on a burn supper, all of that stuff. When you start to read it more widely and you see the kind of stuff that he's um, dealing with, I think, yeah, you're right, it's very um, modern's the wrong word because people talk about modernism, but it doesn't date, it doesn't date at all. And uh, <laughs> don't worry, folks. Uh, I think that's, he's at the door. That's the thing. He, do, he does. It doesn't date at all. So um, 
And we'll talk a little bit about you. We'll, we'll get into your comfort zone of film later on, okay. as I intend to do. Yeah. But um, the so you didn't. There was no. I don't know. Did your folks never? The thing I, I think about the Burns when, when it came to being taught in schools was I wonder whether there's two things, and I don't know the answer to either of them. Was it seen maybe by folk who were in education as being old hat? They wanted you to deal with you know, living or just recently deceased poets? Or um, was it something that, I don't know, was never encouraged in schools? I don't know. There's a, there's a strange yeah. thing about Burns. It, it, he's hugely popular, but yet, as we know, actually have sometimes trying to get people to talk about him. You know, often the first rule about Burns Club is you do not talk about Burns Club. <laughs> and and there seems to be something that people either hold on to them for their own ways um, or, I mean, I didn't really get into the wider Burns till I went to university. I don't yeah. know if you were the same. No, I and suddenly same. Felt, felt kind of, not ashamed, but kind of annoyed that this hadn't been taught to me earlier. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, to address the point of, of more recent poetry being taught, I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think maybe with Scotty's stuff, but I, I definitely... I mean, I, I remember reading the metaphysical poets in high school, you know, Don and, and Pope and what have mm-hmm. you, and, uh, and, you know, other de- long-dead English poets. Um, but, yeah, Burns never came up in, this, in the Scottish stuff, uh, as far as I can remember. Maybe once or twice in first or second year as a kind of seasonal thing, you know, nothing that, but nothing that would be usable yeah. for exam purposes. You know, it was kind of, yeah. it was more like as a lark for, for the young kids. Yeah, like uh, um, tonight, you know, um, folk will be eating this thing called haggis, which yeah. you know, and drinking yeah. scotch. And again, maybe in primary school, we, we might have touched on some of the shorter stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't really remember giving any serious study of Burns in, in high school. Again, I don't know if it's maybe speaking in the kind of the cultural image of Burns. Um, I don't know if it's something that without wanting to get too too heavier. And I mean, I went to a Catholic high school, and I don't know if there's still a kind of cultural stigma. You know, attached to Burns because of the, the Freemasonry and the you yeah. know the attachment uh-huh. to coming out of a Calvinist era and stuff, and because he's still held dear, you know, Burns clubs and stuff are very much a kind of a died in the wool, you know, Scottish the kind of almost Masonic. not Presbyterian, yeah, Masonic, you know, not Presbyterian as such, but you know, it's still is very much a it's a Church of Scotland thing. Well, so than, the, what know? Fergus was speaking about our. For, for a while, people thought um, there is only one way to do a burn supper, and this is our way. And you know, it, this is when the haggis is piped in, and this is when the address the ladies is done, and you do not deviate from this. And There's that whole ritualistic aspect. Yeah. Of it. You know, it's like, do you, don't deviate from. And, and obviously, in Catholic school, we kind of had our fair share of rituals. Yeah, we enough rituals so, to go around. So. I was just thinking we had the opposite thing. If we'd been taught Pope out of my school, about half the fathers would have been down saying, yeah. Can't <laughs> teach the Pope? Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's right. And, and nowadays, there does seem. It's difficult, I think, being knowing so many people who. Um, you know, I've studied Burns and things like that to see whether there's a genuine resurgence in popularity. But certainly, that's what Fergus was suggesting, and it does seem to me that um, I mean, I don't know what you think, Ian, but you know, learning to do a, a Burns song a few years ago, if someone says do a Burns song, one you might go, I don't know, there was many Burns songs to do, and secondly, would you really want to do it? But then, um, there is, I think, there is a wide interest again, and I wonder whether it's a change in kind of. 
um, national identity is the wrong word, but a bit of more confidence about looking at stuff that before we we Scots ourselves stereotyped and put into boxes and saying yeah we, we bring bombs out once a year and we put them back again, but it does seem to be more kind of around the world. Well, see, I think it's interesting, especially now the political landscape in Scotland being what it is at this you know particular moment in time. I think that um, proponents of each side of the independence that they could probably latch on to Burns and use him as part of their argument you know yeah. I think like anybody looking to stay in the union could seize on the more kind of the cuthy stuff and, and you know um, and look at it as you know your twee Scots insular you know not not Kailyard but I mean the, there's definitely you know, could point to the traditional kind of burn suppers and the tartanry and the haggis and you know address the ladies and all this and you know look at it as a kind of white heather club kind mm-hmm. of thing you know quite backwards looking this is what we want to get away from you know but the, on the other hand people if you actually like look deeper into burns you find this like as you say almost kind of modern um, outward looking mm-hmm. you know humanist um, mm-hmm. Which you know, who makes quite a strong you know a strong case for Scotland as as an individual entity and a separate entity, not a better entity. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. not I can it's not putting anybody else down. It's not that kind of nationalism, but I kind of you know uh, as firmly having its own artistic traditions. You know, obviously there's the references to Henderson and everything that he loves so much um, coming through and you know its own artistic traditions, and he deals with kind of like folk traditions, the supernatural and. Um, yeah, you know, it's very much a specifically Scottish identity. It's not a, a British. You know, it's interesting. Whatever that nebulous, whatever nebulous notion you want yeah, to attach yeah, to yeah. Britishness, it's a specifically Scottish outlook. And even just in a, like, um, you know, the the poem I read, the um, he talks about you know he talks to the man about he talks to the, the, the young friend he's addressing about being independent and stuff. I mean, obviously you don't want to overly like overly read into that, but. Um, you know, it, it's this kind of notion of you know standing on our own two feet, and you know, almost kind of this empathy for for the for the farmers and the workers is like, you know again you would never call Burns a socialist or anything like that. But many have, but many have, <laughs> but um, but you know it, it would be totally anachronistic to, to apply a term like that. Yeah, 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 thing, yeah. You know, but uh, he's very much of the people. You know, mm-hmm. it's not uh, his sympathies lie with with working folk yep. you know and, and ordinary people and not the not politicians not clergymen not um, lords not rulers you yeah know. Not, the, not the the church not the big yeah. not the big institutions but the what's happening yeah. to the individual yeah. there's a manual that looks at the individual um, it's by the time you uh, hear this podcast you'll hopefully have listened to the podcast version of the um, Walter Scott one that we did and it's similar questions came up through that you know a lot of people use Scott either way they'll say well look here's this man who wrote about the Jacobite rebellion and wrote about and other people will say well you know this is a man who boasted about northern Britain and brought the king up to Edinburgh and and some people will do the same with the other big Scottish writer Stevenson they'll say you know and unfortunately these people unlike someone like Alistair Gray can't serve no, this is what I mean. Yeah. You can't do that. And of course that's but it says a lot for the stuff itself that there are many different readings that you can put into it. And that's what I uh, I think the best writers have. You know, um there are certain things you'd be hard pushed to say Burns backs, but you know, as long as your argument is fairly cogent, there's enough stuff there which uh, that could back it up. Now you saying that he's, he's a, a writer that chimes with modern times and seems to be more popular now than he's been. Certainly, I think since I would argue since maybe the thirties and forties, um, I think in in 
after um, McDermott said, you know, not Burns Dunbar, and like, people to look back, and and then they became the kind of white heather clubization, if that's a term, of Burns, and he was on telly, and it was like, um, I think people kind of were um, pushed away from him, and in that time, there wasn't any, with one exception, what's talking about it, any kind of on-screen version. I mean, if you were to say what's the definitive on-screen version of Burns, you'd be struggling. But th- this is a man whose who's, um, tale, uh, his life, is certainly very um, filmable and, and, and interesting, and they make many programmes and documentaries about it. Make great film material, but yet there hasn't been... Um, how can I put this? There hasn't been one with money behind it, I think, since, I think, the 30s, maybe the early 40s. There was a few Burns things, and some which were based on some of his poetry as well. Um, so, are you surprised that nobody's come out and, and, and done a Burns movie, or a kind of Robert Burns story? When I mean, you think about the time when Braveheart was used, and then Rob Roy came out, you thought maybe that was the time where they would do a Burns film? Well, yes and no. I mean, I think as popular as Burns is, when you think about how white other poets, I mean, there's not really a great trend ever in cinema of poetry, you know, biopics yeah. of poets, I suppose. I mean, there, there was Bright Star a couple of years ago, yeah. about, uh, it was Keats, wasn't it? it, was, it was yes. Star, yeah. And I mean, there have been through the years, I think, you know, there's certainly been representations, maybe not, yeah. uh, um, did, now, here we're going to get into movie trivia here. Did Ken Russell do one about with with Byron and Shelley and all of these? Probably. Around about the time he did List of Mania. Yeah, I mean, that's... It feels like he might have done but, Burns is such a universally yeah. loved... I mean, again, you know, you now have Burns Suppers in China, obviously in the States, Australia, all around the place. I just wonder... There was... The reason I asked this is because a couple of years ago I wrote a thing about Burns. I, I put together a, bil- a Burns filmography and there was this huge gap in the middle. And so I went on um, IMDb to see what the state of affair was because there was rumours of a Burns film coming out. Yeah. Starring, can you guess? Jerry Butler. Jerry Butler, of course, yeah, okay. Ah, but, and with Gene Armour... Ooh, Kelly MacDonald. No, I'm afraid not. I don't think you're... And a hundred guesses you would never get that was Julia Stiles. Oh. <laughs> yes, and she was... Okay. It was on IMDb. This was a goer for a long time. Okay. We thought they were going to well, do Well, we can count our blessings it wasn't Catherine Heigl. You know, <laughs> together again, whichever, but like... Oh, yeah, I think I don't think his... Uh, team. But he... Uh, what was interesting was that there... That yeah, I could kind of see Jared Butler doing it, and they would do a big romantic thing of it, and perhaps and they didn't, and maybe that's a good thing. There was a film that came out called Red Rose, I think it was called Red Rose, which um, do you know what? Burns, man, the CCTV unit overlooking this, <laughs> overlooking the flats on the north. There, there was it was it wasn't it wasn't. <laughs> that's right. I've got you know. I didn't. Do you know the, the reason I was his? I didn't didn't get that straight away is because there's a shot in Red Rose where you can see the electric lights out the window. Oh, no, okay. It was made for buttons, and I interviewed the guy who, I, I should try and name check him, and I'll try and do that as we speak. But um, they made this film um, for hardly any money um, about Burns' latter life in Dubbies, mm-hmm. um, moving down there and taking over Mosquil, failing him becoming um, part of this thing he hated, really working for the tax collector and all that stuff. Um, and, it, and you know a lot of people slagged it off uh, Robbie Moffat was the director of course it was 
but it was a it was a brave attempt. It was not a good attempt, but it was a brave attempt. But it did make me think again. I'm surprised that you can't say this is the this is the big screen burns. But maybe that's me. Maybe it would be a terrible idea. I don't know. I, don't I know. think somebody like I mean, I was joking about Red Road, but I think like somebody like Andrea Arnold uh, would be good for a Burns film I think or, or maybe Lynn Ramsey we always talk about Lynn Ramsey doing, doing everything that we <laughs> well, she should she's the best she's filmmaker the, in Scotland yeah. since, Bill, since Bill Douglas and Bill Forsyth yeah, you know possibly, she's the yeah. best filmmaker Scotland's produced since then and uh, and who would, who would be let's have a bit of uh, fantasy casting who would I don't be? even know I'm trying to think of like Scottish actors that are young enough to play Burns and it's kind of like it's, it's McAvoy McAvoy but he, he seems a wee bit kind of I don't know if he's forceful enough for Burns you know he feels a little bit kind of I mean I like McAvoy mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's got the um, I don't know There's just he's a bit light light of touch for Burns I okay. think you know I think you need somebody with a bit more who looks like if you'd push a plow yeah but that, yeah. ah yes yes he looks a bit consumptive yeah, that's, that's yeah. I suppose even it, Wanted was probably his most kind of superhero role, wasn't yeah. it? And even then, the whole point was that he was. Yeah. Like, um, um, I would worry about Gerard Butler doing it now, yeah. you know, because he'd be shouting these poems yeah. at people as he goes. In a by. transatlantic accent. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, ten, even twenty years ago, you might see Mullen, you might see yeah. Carlyle, but that's kind of going. It's interesting. Yeah, a little bit older. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I think it would. Your best bet would probably just be to find someone who's unknown, you know, and doesn't have the stigma, doesn't bring anything yeah, to the role with true. them, you know, especially if you were going for someone like Lynn Ramsey or Andre Arnold to have such a kind of great track record of discovering people. I mean, I'm thinking more specifically of like the way Andre Arnold did. Did you see her uh, Wuthering Heights? I did, yes, yeah, that was excellent. Yeah. Like that, you know, really raw, really beautifully filmed and really, you know, naturalistic performances, kind of, you know, fully you know swearing violence the whole lot um but you know in amongst nature really beautifully shot i think if she made a burns film the way that she made wuthering heights then it could be really special but again like if lynn ramsey did it anyway i'm sure it would be yeah great whichever approach she took to but um it's it's weird i think it would benefit like whoever made it i think it would benefit from having a female director good point that would be I think, yeah, to counterbalance the kind of the, the perceived laddishness yeah, yeah, like, yeah. of Burns I think it would it would benefit from like a kind of a, a feminine touch it's uh, that's another aspect of him which is overplayed uh, yeah uh, although I'm going to finish off by reading something off his, off his blue book yeah. as they say if he was a comedian these days he would say what from uh, the many muses of Caledonia which is basically his blue material yeah. I actually think if, if we want to go oblique yes let's go oblique I think the best Burns film that's been made so far it's probably The Wicker Man okay explain yourself right Jerry Carruthers will have my head on a plate for this because yes. he hates The Wicker Man but um, I think The Wicker Man catches everything that makes Burns appealing it's uh, from you know Scottish myth and Scottish legends it's uh, kind of a, a an attack on religion if you like or satire of religion it's uh, obviously highly sexualised it's got uh, you know it's it's out in the landscape it's out in the country I think basically if you find something to like about the Wicker Man you'll find something you like in Burns oh that is very interesting and yeah you may wake up with a haggis in yeah, your bed that kind of thing the, the which I believe is the way that uh, yeah. these things are handled yeah, these days I'll get, I'll get what, what happened to Catherine Carswell is that, <laughs> is that a bullet in the post or something yeah, um right. But it's an inter- yeah, that's a, that's an in- interesting uh, point. 
Um, if you can film Burns, film Tamish Anner. Yeah, I, you know, that, that, I, get, I, I mean, I, I was concentrating on the story of the man yeah. because it's so iconic. Um, it's been told many times. It just does surprise me. However, I think you're right. There is a, there's a tremendous film to, to be based yeah. or like a Sleepy Hollow style yeah, film exactly. to be That's based what I on Tamish Anner. Think how many times Sleepy Hollow has been told on film and yep. TV. You know, you've got the, obviously the Tim Burton version. You've got the Disney cartoon. Mm-hmm. You know, is is well, a well known story. Years, yeah. yeah, it's a well known story, and it's even well known over here. Maybe even better known than than Tamish Anner is. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, there's yeah, there's no reason you couldn't do like even a short. You know, of, of Tamish Anner or something like that. It would be good, I suppose, when we finally see the Justified Sinner film, that like can play as a as a as an opening well, feature this for was the, the, one of the points that came out when I was uh, well there's two things I went to say before we finish with Bones on film there's two things really that came out when I was researching the essay and it had nothing to do with Bones itself one was the kind of state of the Scottish film industry and the idea of trying to get anything made which is why it's um, whatever gets made in Scotland I take my heart off to it because it's so difficult to, to do so you know to get Red Rose made at all whatever you might think of it was incredible and also they're uh, surrounding the making of a Burns movie and I'm not going to I cannot name names here because uh, it's completely libelous but I got off the record stories about uh, uh, about the making of these things that would uh, I was going to say make your hair curl but you know in my it's too late for me but um, yeah there, there, are, there are reasons why it hasn't got done but I think the old one of you know we've talked many times over various points podcasts about films why certain things have never been made and I think until um, the Scottish film industry you know becomes stronger then uh, that might be the, the sense it was interesting that you know the closest in the last few years a Burns film has been to getting made needed you know two Hollywood stars even to put their name to it uh, and, and yet nothing uh, particular ever came from it I think Julia Stiles had just finished doing those dance movies that she'd done Oh, save right. okay. save, you, save the last dance. I think that and I might be terrified that I actually know that's the case. Yeah. But um, we're going to wrap up there. I think um, we have. Oh, sorry, I want to say thank you to Chris. Thank you. Thank you to Ian for playing. Thank you to Fergus Muirhead um, for a taking some time out from his busy this time of your very busy schedule and um, and talking to us. And uh, you may have noticed if you're a regular uh, listener to the podcast that we have this little explicit message beside us. It's usually so, you know, if somebody wants to swear, they can swear and why not? But we need it. We, apparently we need it. Um, so I'm going to put that to full test now and read one of his, as I say, one of his blue um, poems from uh, the Muses, the Merry Muses of Caledonia. Some of which are proper filthy, but they're also quite long and, and you know... Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> if, oh, and it yeah. does become a bit finale, obviously, when you're dealing with this thing. But this this is a poem called uh, There Came a Soldier. There came a soldier here to stay. He swore he wouldn't steer me. But long before the brick of day, he cuddled, muddled near me. He set a stiff thing to my wham. I dockney bide the bends of it. But long before the grey morn came, I soupled beneath the ends of it. Dirty boy. Thanks very much. See you later. <laughs>